0: Before we get into the the word for this morning, uh, and and we continue our series in Joshua, um, during the the lead-up to Pentecost, we have been journeying through uh, the life of Joshua. And and last week, we looked at the so-called Battle of Jericho, uh, which is not really a battle. Um, Before we go into today's scripture, which is about four chapters later in Joshua chapter 10, uh, I want to provide a little bit of context because we're skipping over a few of the stories in the book of Joshua. So what's uh, what's happened in between? I mentioned last week that Jericho was the first city that the Israelites needed to take if they were to keep going and inherit the promised land. So Jericho came first after they crossed over the river and there was Jericho right there, kind of barring them from the whole rest of the promised land. Um, but this land was... A gift from God. He said, I'm giving you this land, not go take the land. I'm giving you this land. And uh, the crumbling of the walls of Jericho was not some military feat. It was a demonstration of God's power, right? God said, this is what I want you to do, and I'm going to do the work here. And Joshua knew he could trust God because he, this is what we talked about last week, he looked back. He looked back. He looked back at what God had said and done in the life uh, of his predecessor, Moses. And because of even some seemingly random things about how to blow trumpets and use ram horns, he could see the faithfulness of God now and was able to trust God. Because you look back to all those years ago and went, I see what God's doing here. Um, and that allowed him to impart faith to the people. After Jericho... Next couple of chapters comes AI, and, um, or I, or however you might say it. It's two letters, A and I. Uh, Samuel referred to this in his messages uh, at our churches in the last couple of weeks. Um, and there's a false start, but they also do uh, uh, defeat AI. Then the people of Gibeon. So we've got Jericho, AI, Gibeon. The people of Gibeon go, uh-oh, this is bad news. Let's go trick the Israelites. Right? Let's go th- say, we're from a foreign land and we're all poor and scraggly. We, we need to make a peace treaty with you, even though Gibeon was quite strong. So they make a peace treaty with Israel. They trick him into doing that. Uh, and it was no small city, Gibeon. But they're now sort of sided with the Israelites. And then some other kings see this. Right? So Israel's defeated Jericho, Ai, Gibeon sided with them, peace treaty. And five Amorite kings, they see this and they go, this is getting out of control, we're going to do something. So they unite together, five cities. You think, okay, this should be pretty strong. We're just going to go and get rid of Israel and Joshua. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 10. So as Francis comes to uh, read from Joshua chapter 10, let's pray. Father, uh, I ask that as we read from your word now. Uh, you would still our minds and our hearts to be able to hear and to observe what it is that you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Morning, everyone. So I am reading from Joshua, chapter 10, verses 5 to 14, and verses 24 and 25. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamuth, Lashis and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, "'Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us.'" So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth-haron and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Machadar. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth-haron to Azekar, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, "'Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon.' "'So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, "'till the nation avenged itself on its enemies,' "'as it is written in the book of Jashar. "'The sun stopped in the middle of the sky "'and delayed going down about a full day. "'There has never been a day like it before or since.' a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. When they had brought these things to the king, sorry, when they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. This is the word of the Lord.
0: So, this is another... Really significant event in the, uh, the what's sometimes referred to as the conquest of Canaan, the, the taking of the promised land. Jericho, that we spoke about last week, was significant because it was the beginning uh, of, of this whole journey. And, and as Joshua, as I said, looked back, he found faith in what God was going to do. This battle is significant because it points forward to the future as Joshua encourages the Israelites to look forward. what god's going to do but first i'm i'm wondering is anyone feeling a little bit uncomfortable about all this (laughs) okay i see a few head nods right the killing the completely destroying cities the cutting them down as they run away fleeing please don't hurt us right and god raining hailstones down on them the necks on the feet of the Amorite kings to say this is what God will do to our enemies I left out the bit about it impaling them on poles right it's it's fair enough to be like whoa hang on a minute what what, what is this all about is this is this God you know uh, uh, justifying like you know genocide and war and killing and and, and murder As we've journeyed through the life of Joshua, maybe you've been wondering, I don't know how I feel about all this, this this conquest of Canaan, as it's sometimes referred to. Uh, God seeming to condone violence and war. It sounds like religious justification for invasion of someone else's land, right? And and we kind of know a bit about what, what that looks like at the moment, thinking about Russia and Ukraine. It's not all just religious, but part of it's religious justification. In fact, if you read the previous chapter, chapter 9, it says the Gibeonites, the ones who tricked Israelite into the peace treaty, uh, they said, Your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. But is that what God said? I can't find it anywhere. Not the part about wipe out all the inhabitants from the land. It's not what God said. And you might go, well, but yeah, but isn't that what Joshua did anyway? I mean, that's what we read. Not exactly. It's easy to read it that way. Uh, but that's not what's happening. Now, there's a really great article by The Bible Project on this. There's a couple of copies at the back. Uh, South Mandurah, uh Raylan's pr- printed some copies for you as well, for anyone who's interested. And encourage uh, an, an article about the conquest of Canaan and why and what's it, what it's all about. Here's a bit of a summary, I- I in short. When we read things like, Jericho was completely destroyed, which sounds like, oh my goodness, like they, you know they, they went in murder and murdered everyone... It, it's, um Jericho and others like it were military outposts. They were these, these strongholds, these military outposts in, in, among the land, uh, particularly to defend or attack or whatever. Um, only a few of these kinds of cities, these military outposts, were destroyed by the Israelites, Jericho being one of them. The majority of the cities, when it talks about the others that Israel took over, um, the language used is, Driven out. Now that still sounds like, oh yeah, but is it any better that they drove all the people out and made them refugees? Well, again, that's not what's happening. Um, it's it's a kind of an a Hebrew idiom, which it's a little bit like when we say it's raining cats and dogs, right? Is there is there cats and dogs falling from the sky? No, right? It's a saying. It means it's bucketing down with rain. right? When they say the people were driven out, it doesn't mean something like what's happening in, say, the Ukraine. We read later that the people in the land in these areas of Canaan still lived in those places after Israel, quote, drove them out. God's mission for Israel as they entered this land was to drive out evil. It was to drive out evil, not people. See if you read through the history earlier in the Bible the Canaanites in this land in the land promised to Israel who had re- the Canaanites had rejected God they worshipped demonic idols they engaged in taboo sexual acts and they sacrificed children to Canaanite gods that's what's going on in this land and God's promise to Abraham many many years earlier right many generations earlier was that Abraham's descendants would inherit this land so that as one people group, Yahweh would be their God and they will be his people so that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so this, this sort of so-called conquest was slow. There were actually a lot of limits on it. It wasn't, go, just go take over any city you want. It was like, you can't touch those ones. And it's going to be bit by bit by bit. And you're not going to wipe out, like burn to the ground, non-military outposts. Um, but Jericho, this defensive stronghold that we talked about last week, said, no, you are not getting in here. And the others said, we're going to go on the attack against you. In chapter 11, we read that no one except Gibeon, made a peace treaty with Israel, despite having that opportunity. And again, it wasn't that Joshua destroyed anyone and everything, just like the Allies' mission all those years ago wasn't to eliminate the Germans. It was to drive out the evil that was going on for the good of the German people. The mission was to defeat the evil in those lands and introduce their people To this God. Now, if you remember, at Billabong a number of weeks ago, we talked about Exodus 34, where we we see God revealed as Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Remember that in Exodus 34, most quoted passage in the whole Old Testament. Is what this is about—about about who God really is—and I wanted to start here this morning because if we if we look at today's passage and think, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I I I I don't know. Like due to the Hebrew idioms and the cultural context and the unfamiliar, non-linear way that the Hebrew is written, the you know the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, if we kind of go well, uh, and I just I, there's a struggle with this, we'll miss what this is all about. So we think it's sort of this, like, whoa, well, God just sort of flip-flops between this God, Yahweh the Compassionate and Gracious, and a God who likes to sort of get revenge and is and a bit bloodthirsty. No, that's not who, who God is. He doesn't flip-flop and change his character time to time. God, this is what this is about. God has a mission for his people, and it's grounded in who he is. And he is good. All the time. And all the time, he is good. He's really, really, really good all the time. And every part of his being and motivation, everything he does, everything he thinks and says is good for the blessing, the well-being and the prospering of people. And I know it's hard to read, he, held down, he, he rained down hailstones on them and see that he's about blessing people. But remember, this is the military forces propagating an evil demonic agenda holding thousands if not millions of people captive in darkness that's what's going on and god wants that evil gone because of his love and this is what the god is doing this is what god is doing nowadays in the world through his church through his church Today is Pentecost. It's a celebration, among other things, of the birth of the church. There's a line in the song, King of Kings, that goes, And the church of Christ was born, and then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fade. The Spirit of God has been poured out on his people, those who confess Jesus uh, Christ as Lord. And I want to highlight three things today that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, does in us that were similar to what God was doing in that land and in the people. What the Holy Spirit does in us, first of all, is that He drives out the evil in us. He doesn't destroy us. He never wants to do that. Uh, uh, And although it hurts sometimes when He does this, He's doing this to save us. He comes in, the Spirit comes to sanctify us. Right? That means to, to clean up, to cleanse, to, to, to clean out our lives, to drive out the, the, the idolatry, the sinfulness, the, the evil in us, to get rid of the idols, the practices, the stuff that's hurting us and our children so that we will be blessed like Canaan would be blessed and know Yahweh, the, the loving, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger God. But just as there were were limits on on where and who the Israelites invaded, it wasn't just go like, do whatever you want. And just as it was a slow, gradual process taking over the land of Canaan, the Spirit comes in and cleans us out gently, thank God, gently and slowly and graciously, as we allow Him. And this is the key I want to kind of highlight today. It's all as we allow Him. Now, sometimes... uh, I I know, well, maybe more than sometimes, I'm like those Canaanite cities. I'm closed off, defensive, or I'm combative against what God's trying to do in me. And so sometimes God's got to force his way into my life a little bit and kill some stuff in me. And I don't like it at first until I realize that what he's trying to do is for my good because he's good. Anyone else feel like that? Right, sometimes he's got to push a little bit. But on the most part, We've got to allow him in. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, I wonder if you'll, first of all, let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn away anything in your life that's actually destroying your life. A mindset, a habit, a hobby even. Maybe a friendship or a relationship. Maybe a, it might even be for some a cultural or religious practice. Come, Holy Spirit. It's not always a a comfortable prayer, right? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's not always comfortable, but God is always good. And what he does is always good. Amen? This battle with the Amorites, these these five kings and their militaries who unite against Joshua and Israel, it's an amazing story as the the enemy retreats. Joshua determines, no, 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 we need to deal with this and with them right now. He doesn't want them returning then that leads to another 15 cities uniting against Israel and gets out of hand so Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel son stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ajalon so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies now basically the daytime was extended by 24 hours you can do the research on exactly what might have happened. Did the earth stop rotating? Did the sunlight somehow stay through the night? Did God make a special light appear? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Notice, though, what, um, what Joshua says. Like, son, stand still. Was he praying to God or was he speaking to the son, kind of taking the... Like, what, what, what is going on here? Is, is this kind of a justification of, you know, we need to speak to our problems, kind of in a prayer kind of way? I command you sickness to leave. Another conversation, uh, maybe. But um, some hold the opinion that it's not Joshua who says, son, stand still that the, the language here, the Hebrew uh, in the Old Testament, could be easily translated as this. Joshua spoke to the Lord, and in the presence of Israel, God said, sun stands still, moon stands still. Which makes sense, considering that God made the sun and the moon, not Joshua, right? God can command the sun and the moon to do whatever he wants. But whatever the case, whether uh, Joshua spoke to the sun, or God, or, just spoke, or God spoke to the sun, have a look at verse 14 there has never been a day like it before or since a day when the lord listened to a human being sometimes we just need to listen to god and do what he says that was the case in jericho god said march around blow the ram's horn blow short blow long blasts and joshua looking back and remembering what this meant was able to trust god and go okay God, you got this. And he was imparted faith into these people. They obeyed. God moved. So that particular scenario was it was God, 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 God. The whole thing initiated, instructed, executed by God. You just need to listen and respond. But sometimes we need to pray. We need to see what God wants. Knowing the desire He has for us and for the world around us. And when there's a need, ask him for a miracle. Jericho was not a battle. You know, no such thing as Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. It wasn't a battle. It was a demonstration of God's power. But this this scenario was different. This was an army that needed to be eradicated lest they go back and regroup, get a bunch of other cities together. And so Joshua and the people needed to act and they needed help. It was out of their reach. It was out of their control. But Joshua didn't sit there going, Okay, God, um, I'm waiting for the next instruction now. Should we, get the, should we get the ram's horns out? Maybe a little dancing this time? You know, what, what do you want? No, he prayed. <laughs> and whether he took the authority of God and literally commanded the sun, or whether he just said to God, God, you need to step in here. Now, please, one thing is crystal clear. God listened to a human being and acted as a result. I talked in one of the earlier sermons in this series about how Moses had this relationship with God. Moses, Joshua's predecessor, right? This relationship with God where he could quote back to God what God had promised. And he could say, this is who you are, God. This is who you are. And that God wants every single one of us to have that same kind of relationship with Him. That kind of relationship where God is revealing to us who He really is. And when stuff goes down, we can say to Him boldly, God, you said this is who you are. You said this is what you're doing. You said this is what you want. Come through, God. And you pray like that. I know for a long time I didn't pray like that. I'm just starting to learn. It's not arrogant or, or selfish, but as we align ourselves with, with what God wants, then we can ask him for whatever is needed to accomplish his will. Jesus said this. I was reminded this morning in the prayer room. It was the verse of the day on the little flip chart thing. Thanks, Nicole. Stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. John fifteen seven. And this, friends, is what the Holy Spirit does. Today, among us, he cleans out all the gunk, he sanctifies us, and then he begins to align our heart with God's our heart and our mind so that we want what he wants. and We think like he thinks. And to step into that, sometimes we've got to pray big prayers. We've got to say, God, you want that friend to come to know you. So bring them to you, Lord. Do, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes in them. Do whatever it takes in me. Because I know that this is what you want, God, so do it, please, whatever it takes. I sat down with Karen um, about a, a week and a half ago. Uh, we were on, on date night and we, I don't know why we are on Instagram, that's bad, but um, we, we saw on Instagram that a friend of ours who's into some weird and dark spiritual stuff um, was going to see a medium spiritist type person. Um, so I, we sat and I, and I prayed, God, this, this medium our friend is going to visit Just confuse her and dismantle her stuff, so there's no power. And then a few nights later, we're at dinner with this friend of ours, and they said um, that this this medium, spiritist person was just kind of really disappointing and useless. (laughs) I didn't say anything, but inside I was like, "Come on, Jesus, right?" When when the, when the Spirit reveals to us, and sometimes it doesn't take a lot of Spirit revealing. It's just like if we read the scriptures, we know what God wants, right? But when he when he shows us what what God's what God wants, we pray in line with that. And so, sometimes we don't just wait for instructions. We've got to ask God what he we what we know he wants because the Spirit is giving us the mind of Christ. Joshua asked God and the sun stood still. Now, we don't need to ask God to stop the sun unless it's helpful for whatever the situation is. But can we pray for our friends to meet Jesus? Can we pray for that person who's sick and healing seems impossible? Can we pray that God would revive a church, even a denomination like ours? In a few minutes, we're going to pray for some things. And uh, I haven't checked my messages yet, but I asked um, the uh, prayer team, our prayer team this morning here at Billabong, um, I asked if they would just listen to God and ask him, what do you want us to pray for, God? What do you want in our churches uh, and beyond? They, and, and I'm hoping, uh, I haven't checked yet, but I'm hoping they sensed a few things, God highlighting things for us, things for South Mandra. Um, and so we're just going to pray for a while after this and we're going to say, God, We believe this is what you want. So we're asking you today, believing it's in line with your will. Before we do that, uh, I just want to finish with these last couple of verses from the passage uh, that we read and and highlight one final thing. So there was these five Amorite cities, these five Amorite kings. They were captured in the process. And then we read uh, these verses 24 and 25. When they had brought these kings to Joshua... He summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Joshua 1. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you're going to fight. Why the chasing down? Why the feet on the necks of the kings? Was Joshua just hungry for another victory? No, remember this, this wasn't about some military conquest and murderous invasion of the land. It was about the mission of God to drive out the evil in the land and restore a land back to blessing and people back to blessing. The chasing down the army, the feet on the necks of the kings. It's because the people of Israel under Joshua needed to be able to look forward They needed to be able to look ahead to what God could and would do. They needed to see what he's done now, he'll keep doing and will do again. So friends, this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit sanctifies us, he cleans us out. The Spirit aligns our will with God, giving us the mind of Christ. But the Spirit also gives us vision and faith for what God's going to do. And all of these three things, again, are if we'll let him. If we'll let him in. And so I want to ask this morning, can you allow yourself to look forward as the Holy Spirit gives you eyes to see? Of course, it starts with letting him clean up our lives and align our hearts and our minds with God's. These two two always come first. But if you've said in your heart, Holy Spirit, come make me more like Jesus. Clean me up. Align me with your will. Then you can ask him to give you a vision for what his kingdom could look like and faith to believe it's possible. Will we do that this morning? I said before, I absolutely love Pentecost Sunday. And, and in the lead up to this, it's been a privilege to, to finish off these uh, last two weeks in this seven-week series together with South Mandra and here at the Billabong. Um, it's, it's, I've just found it a joy and faith-building and, and faith-enriching. Um, so if I was given just 30 seconds to wrap up the whole thing, all that we've journeyed through. From, for us, we started in the book of Exodus. South Man, started in the book of Joshua. All, all of these this seven weeks we've journeyed through uh, this, the life of Joshua. 30 seconds to wrap up the whole thing. Uh, and to, to finish it off on Pentecost Sunday, I'd say this. Don't just look back. Look forward. To look back is to say that on the day of Pentecost, a mighty wind filled the room. And tongues of fire rested on the heads of the believers. And they were filled with the Spirit. And then as they spoke, people noticed. And Peter preached. And 3,000 people came to faith and were baptized. Amen. That's what it is to look back. To look forward is to say, Come Holy Spirit. Do it again. Do it again. Come, Holy Spirit, and do it again however you want to do it. Whatever it will look like this time, whatever it will look like at the Bill of whatever it will look like at South Mandra, we welcome you in and ask you, Holy Spirit, as we have prayed for those 10 days, just like the believers prayed for 10 days and waited for the Spirit to come. As we've been waiting on you, Holy Spirit, we invite you now, Holy Spirit and do it again Father I thank you for your living word I thank you that through this journey you've revealed to us things that we maybe didn't see before and right now I just ask you Father God you would pour out your spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And do it again.